Hi guys, welcome to At Jim Bobcast. It's episode four. I'm Jim. I'm Bob. And let's get going. Bob, 1-0 to the Arsenal. Ha <laughs> yes. What a great weekend that was. And Phenomenal weekend for all Halloweeners. You are particularly a fan of trick-or-treaters. No, I dislike trick-or-treaters. Do you know once? <laughs> you, you know, you brought out trick-or-treating here and I've, you just, you didn't even know. But I know I, I, know, know, I, know, you you, I know I hate you. Tri- I know you hate trick-or-treaters. I hate trick-or-treaters. One year I had trick-or-treaters come around my house and I actually <laughs> gave them, I gave them craft cheese slices. <laughs> I legitimately gave them all cheese slices. And one for you, and one for you, and one for you. And you know what? If I, I like a cheese slice. So if I'd have been given a cheese slice, I'd have been over the moon. A Derrily triangle would have sent me stratospheric, but I would have drawn the line at a baby bell. Because I just don't like many baby bells. You know, that wax-coated cheese is just bugs me somewhat. Anyway, back to the football one. The main event of the weekend, that was Manchester United versus Arsenal at Old Trafford. It was the theatre of dreams for Manchester United, but we had our very own showstoppers. We took 14 years to have a shattering. Yes. <laughs> the theatres are closed because of COVID. Yes. And that one has no exception. It was a great result. Yeah, you it know, was. I think we played brilliantly. I know we both, before the match, when we saw the, saw the lineups, both stood up on our soapboxes and shouted from the rooftops calling for Arteta's head and what the hell was he doing? Yeah, the lineup. He's gone Leno. He, he, I actually thought it was a 4-3-3, but then I see them set up and it's kind of like an inverted 5-2-3 and he's probably gone to a 4-3-3 in attack. So he's using the diversity. Of, he's obviously a strategic mastermind. He wants to play each game versus the opposition. So he's gone Leno, Bellerin, Holding, Gabriel, Tierney, Saka... Party and El Nenny, the showstopper El Nenny. We'll get to you very soon, my good friend. Lacazette in the nine, Abamyang left wing. There were two things that you and I weren't particularly happy with. We wanted to see Pepe in the front three. I did. And we wanted to see El Nenny anywhere but on the field of play. And I did call it to you before the match. I said, did. I've got a funny you feeling you you're going to see El Nenny play. And, and my funny feeling was... They come to fruition. And I was there kicking, screaming, throwing, fighting, panting, albeit I was immobile because I broke my toe the day before. And Well, I was away from my uh, anniversary. I, I, I nearly spat out my champagne in the hot tub when I saw that one come <laughs> through. <laughs> but it was a touch of genius, really. Let's, let's start with the midfield. I just... The control of the game... The result didn't flatter. We, we, we know that we've continued to, to have an issue with creating chances, albeit we had our chances in this game in the first half. It was the only thing that the game was missing. Yes, it was like a Sunday dinner. You've got the finest roast beef and roast potatoes, but we were lacking a good Yorkshire pudding. Yeah, and you're just left hungry if you don't have a Yorkshire. Yes, I, I love Yorkshires. Oh, everything. Just, but why people have to make gravy wells out of Yorkshire puddings, don't they? <sighs> Those that don't are, well, you've been uneducated in the, the army. The Yorkshire pudding Sunday. itself should be the, a vessel for carrying yes, the meat juices. Yes, the vessel. <laughs> That's a fine way to describe it. We are it. pivoting around the world here today. This, this could be a funny one. Yes. So, Moel Nenny, the Egyptian lord now, the Graceland, gets his start in the midfield at my breath. But, my God, did he not just have the game of games? He played Brilliantly. 
I mean, and the epitome of what you get from El Nenny, which is what I think Arteta wants. He wants workhorses with technical ability. <sighs> I think he wants to coach the technical ability in. We, we are getting better and better at passing out from the back. So something's obviously happening. But Mo El Nenny, 91 minutes on the clock, six minutes of injury time, and just a 70-yard... Jack Russell-like irritation on the Manchester United midfield, convincing them actually to think play the ball out of touch after just bullying them in the press. After probably covering 10, 11, 12 kilometres in a pretty high intense oh. game there before. Shit like that, for me, like is instant lordship. I mean, I love people that play with their heart on their sleeve and that right there... His, the, his work rate was phenomenal. I, his desire to just be yeah. a pain... He's, I like, he's, he's not an artisan builder, but he's a fine labourer. Mm. And that's what he did. He was pressing and, you know, him and party. And one that lays field. more bricks than the second best person. Do you know what I mean? Like double the bricks. Like, oh, oh Mo's laid 10,000 bricks. Like, oh, well, our next best guy's laid 4,000. Well, he's used to building pyramids. Yes. Yes. You know, you know, they took ages to build them with bloody big bricks. But no, I just think that we rip, we've been ripping into him all the way through every have, single yeah. podcast and more. You know, we've likened him to not being fit enough to clean Ozil's boots. Yeah, he's come out and he's put in a shift. But I don't actually, do you know what? Like, you're absolutely right. We have done that. But he hasn't changed his game from the points where we were knocking him. We have just been tired of Arsenal not creating clear-cut chances. You know, Mauro Nenny hasn't actually really done anything wrong. We just think that there should be a more creative player there in his place. And I think he's been trying to find his feet. You know, he might have lost his confidence. He's not been picked by the previous two managers. He's been put out on loan to Turkey. And then he comes in and under Arteta, Arteta puts an arm around him, showing some proper man management skills here. Straight in, he's like, you're in my plans. You're in my plans, but I'm going to have to change your game a bit. And... Against Manchester United, I can I can relate to three points, and I've seen the highlights, of, and I've actually seen a, a video on YouTube of Party and El Nenny, specifically the partnership in abbreviated commas. And his passing is a lot more progressive. He gets more time on the ball. He travels forward with it. He's got his head up. But I remember a period where I was comfortable with El Nenny. It was very early on in Ozil's career, funnily enough. And... Elneny did this thing, which was kind of... He doesn't like to sit on the ball for very long at all, really. And he just did... every. All he did was give the ball to Mezzet. Give the ball to Mezzet. Give the ball to Mezzet. And I kind of felt like yesterday, you know, he looked like, actually, I've got a bit more about my range of passing. But if not, I'll just give it to Thomas. And and the way he complimented party. We, we got another gear out of party. I thought he was, he's been fine in his first oh. two games. And then, wow, just uncorking him on Sunday was literally Thomas like a... party is a phenomenal player. He's a very good signing. Uh, I, I was adoring him all the way throughout the game. You know, Thomas, the tank, is yeah. Arsenal's engine. Yeah. You know, he was brilliant. He bossed that midfield. Yeah. And with El Nini as his sidekick, almost like an Inspector Clouseau and a Cato, <laughs> they, they went through it all. Yeah. You know, I thought El Nini was fantastic. You know, today's title, episode four, an open letter of apology to King El Nini. You know, sorry to, to you for slating you there. But you said it to me before. One swallow doesn't make a summer. No, and that's more about the performance of Arsenal more so than the Nenny specifically. I think we're trying. I think we understand now what 
he wants to do with El Nenny. And I actually think he's using Thomas in a completely different role. Jamie Redknapp described Party's game absolutely to an aplomb on, on the uh, Sky Sports show. He is not a defensive midfielder. He is not a creative midfielder. He goes, what's just wrong with being a central midfielder? Someone that can defend, attack, tackle, header, collide, pass, shoot. And this guy has got absolutely everything in his locker. You just got a taste of absolutely everything on his buffet on uh, Sunday. There was moments where he's picked the ball up in our defence and he's rampaged through the midfield. And I was rolling back the years to 2004. And I'm thinking... This is Vieira. Give him the four shirt. Just give it Vieira, to him. It was it was brilliant. So party and El Nene in pa- the middle party of the pitch. for me. I, I didn't know that he's got the range of passing that he's just come into that game with. You know, he's not been pressed hard by Man United. People comparing him to Fred is fucking ludicrous. I, I felt for Fred. He 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 walked off that pitch when he was substituted, and then he looked down and out. It's like comparing. A beef eater to the gaucho grill. Ha <laughs> yes. It's, it's ridiculous. They are not in the same way. The only thing in common they've got is their price tag, which also Daniel James costs the same money and Thomas Party's just literally just doing a little dance with uh, a Bamiang on the bus home. Daniel James costs the same amount of money as Thomas Party. 50 million English pounds. Wow. Actually, Thomas Party was 45 million. This so, is... That's baffled you, isn't ridiculous. it? ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I'm bemused, I'm, I'm, I'm bamboozled even. Yeah. But well, it was his range of passing, you know, there was a moment early on, you've just re- you just referred to it, the ball breaks out the back of the box of Arsenal's box, you know, he travels 30, 40 yards, nutmegging Fred in his path and just distributing it. But all of his six foot two frame just looking up and elegant as he kind of just travels across the grass like a gazelle in the safari, you know, it was fantastic. And his range of passing was great. The little cut seven iron round the corner, round the tree that is Pogba, out to the wide wing, the the loopy diagonals, you know, out to Saka and Bellerin on regular occasions and William. Uh, he had everything in his game. It was honestly, it was so, oh, so humbling and just beautiful just to be privy to it. And I think by having him playing that well, and he did play outstandingly yeah. well, and El Nene complimenting him... That stoked up the fire of Arsenal and our energy in that press was so intense, was so high energy. We pressed so hard, we were almost making extra virgin olive oil out of the United (laughs) team. Man United couldn't cope with that. We were on top of them and we continued that for the 90 minutes. I mean, if you look at the stats of the match, there are some interesting stats and we, we talked about them and we weren't really aware of this but United have 53.3% of the possession we only have 46.7 you know and and that certainly doesn't allude to a side that's particularly dominated the match you know shots were 8 and 7 in United's favour again they've had one more shot than us but we know that our shots on goal chance creation has been an issue so I'm not shocked by that and this is interesting United have had 731 touches to our 673 so there's about 60 difference and passes they've again 570 versus our 501 we've they've outpassed us out touched us and out held onto the ball for longer yet we, we just dominated them and i think it was how we defended 
But as this, 11 players on a park. But I've said to you, like, in recent weeks, the problem has been there's been a kink in the spine. You know, it's like I relate it to cricket stumps. You've got a fine test match off stump and you've got a fine test match leg stump, but the middle stump is a one-day stump. It looks out of place. And the midfield has been the issue. And I think we've been talking continuously about Xhaka, maybe bringing in Willock, Ceballos to play with Party. Elneny's not been in the conversation. And Elneny's now played with party and the the defense the midfield and the attack were in harmony for this game now you know it's, we're seven games into the league we've won four lost three you know but th- th- there are signs there now if they can continue the intensity of that game then you'd have to think that we'll win more than we'll lose for the rest of the season i, I can i can only agree you know we discussed it a few weeks ago you know obviously last week we had a a blip against leicester but we discussed how difficult we were becoming to beat. And yeah. I think if we can continue with this style of play, this gritty, high energy. Yeah. You know, one of the things in that Leicester game was we, our energy levels dropped somewhat. Yeah, they did. Yeah. And I think that's when Leicester came into it. Whereas against United, they were, as well, El Nene in the 91st minute running down, chasing. He was like a, he was like a terrier chasing a fox down a hole. Yeah. He wasn't letting up. So, and a shock in the lineup for me, obviously, half the my uh, El Nene shock, was to see Rob Holding on the pitch. Yeah, Bobby Holding. What a game he had as well. I mean, there wasn't many players that don't deserve special commendation. You know, Leno didn't really have a lot to do. Leno made a good save in the first half. And beyond that, after taking one in the face, really was just an additional sweeper keeper, you know, helping on the distribution. They didn't really get... It's a commendment to the midfield, the attack actually, and the defence that that Leno actually had a very quiet game going away to top six opposition. You know, we were talking about our teams, got to be Louise and Gabriel, but if Louise didn't fit, do I have to settle for Mustafi? We've just assumed uh, Holding was injured again for a couple more weeks. Well, I was jumping up and down on the, the Xhaka plan at the back band. Yeah, wagon, you were, yeah. Because I didn't want Mustafi anywhere near the pitch. Yeah. Well, Saliba would have been brilliantly, but he played him Friday night, so that was obviously out, yeah. realistically out of the question. But alongside the surprise package of Rob Holding was the not-so-surprise package as it's now coming to play... <clears throat> The colossal, the ever-dominating... Gabriel Magalhaes. The Angel Gabriel, as I'm now coining him, as it's coming up to Christmas. It's one lockdown till Christmas, so... Uh, he dons the six shirt like two fine sixes that I have been privy to witness in my Arsenal tenure. Donkey Tony Adams, and for all of his guile, Laurent Koscielny was a fine player. I mean, and... This guy looks like he has got a hybrid of both their games. The speed and intensity of, of Koscielny and the ability in the one-on-one and just the commanding influence and aerial ability and also comfortable with the ball at his feet of both players, of Tony Adams. He's got minerals as well. Wow, I mean, tw- and tw- but 22 years old. Yes, he was making tackles whilst on a booking. With he such... trusted. He trusted the process, didn't he? He trusted his ability, and he trusted that he could, you know, he could make the correct decisions at the right time. People saying that the, I mean, I had some fucking nonsense that if the Bellerin one's a penalty, the Pogba one's Stonewall at the other end. I mean, 
It's fucking child's play. Like, yeah, my auntie a bollocks should be my uncle, pal, so let's not play that game. It's but ridiculous. That was a fine tackle. He judged it to perfection. He did. Pogba didn't... Do you know what, actually, I learned about Pogba in that game? I mean, for all of the calamity and stuff he does on his Instagram, he punched the ground when he fouled Bellerin, which basically convinced the referee that he knew he'd played Bellerin, and he didn't appeal for the penalty when uh, Gabriel tackled him. So he seems like actually someone who plays the game in the right, you know, in the right form. Yeah, a proper footballer. But Gabriel, is uh, one thing I didn't like, Bob, about Sunday, Gabriel's knee was heavily strapped. And I now cannot think about an Arsenal team that he's not in. He is possibly one of the first names on the team sheet. I mean, that's how good he has been. And I said to you in episode one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride this, probably all the way to the end of the season when it does or does not happen. But I said to you, I've seen him play three or four times now. I'm calling it from a mile out. He will be in the PFA team of the year. And that has probably been made easier by the fact that at the time we didn't know that Van Dyke was going to be out for the rest of the season. Yeah. But he probably looks like the perfect partner for Van Dyke in what is a Premier League team of the year. I, I tell you who is another player that I can see being in that Premier League team of the year. Again, a great performance from him. Kieran Tierney. He is like they call him, what do they call him? The road man. Yeah, something like that. Is he is he is a great, no-nonsense, passion-filled, dedicated... Oh, that's a good word to describe yeah. him. He's dedicated to the cause. Yeah. If he's on the pitch, he's going to give everything. He was someone who was probably thought about... The reason I've left Celtic is to play in the history of the tie that is Arsenal versus Man United... And if I'm going to put my name on a team sheet, I'm going to go there and do everything I possibly can to he bring three points home. never... You, could, you can honestly say that he doesn't leave anything out on the park. No. He's a fine, fine player. I am, again, him and Gabriel on that sort of our left-hand side of our defence, I am enjoying them playing. Here's a stat for you, and I've just and I've just actually like manifested it whilst we're talking. If you played a back five of Tierney, Gabriel, Holding, Bellerin and Leno... You could buy all five of those players and have change from Harry Maguire. Wow. <laughs> Show me the money, says Harry Maguire. <laughs> you know, I, I'm a massive... But one thing I'm, I am starting to get a little bit cheesed off about, I don't care that Kieran Tierney turns up in just a T-shirt. No, I don't give a fuck. You know, it's fine by me. Because he doesn't care. He's not doing it to play up to, I'm a Scottish hard man. He's just literally like... He he comes across like the kind of professional who like rolls around at home like in his Arsenal tracksuit. I just don't think he owns other clothes. Yeah, he's like, he just like he's in his sponsored gear. I've got a professional job until the day that someone tells me I'm out of contract, and until that point, I'm just immersed in my profession. Yeah, and you know, so we're going through our players here. Yeah. So we've talked Leno, the defence. Bellerin had a good game. He did, he did, he did. I, I thought he was great. Yeah, I mean, he was so much more sound defensively. I'm not, I've no issues with Hector going forward. He's a phenomenal athlete. He's very quick and, you know, he gets his fair share of assists. I just have real issue with him defensively. But, you know, credit where credit's due, he's kept a proper lid on Rashford and Greenwood. Yeah, he is, really has. I think he's Brad brilliantly. I think we could go for every single player on the pitch and say they had a great game, a good game. But going back to the point you made earlier, one swallow doesn't make a summer. You know, like Bellerin has got to do this now for a period of time leading up to Christmas. You know, you could possibly say that 
both in the Leicester game and prior to that, the Man City game, he's he's had moments in the game that have potentially cost us. 100%. So, you know, just because he's had a good game, you know, he's still he's still in debt, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He yeah. played well against Vienna, of course, and obviously the tragic events that's happened in Vienna the last uh, 48 hours has been is very sad and our heart goes out to all of those people Absolutely. in Vienna for that. And we, we, we don't want to see anything like that happening. It's, it's, it's a sad thing to happen. It is. But we've sort of done midfield. We've yeah. done the defence and the keeper. Let's have a look up front. Okay. So Bamiyang still doesn't play in the nine, but the man who did play in the nine... I heard amongst the journos that Bamiyang is very content playing left side. Like, he's really happy there. I can see that. I mean, we'll, a stat we'll have to bring into the show next week is just that out of his 60, 70-odd goals he scored for Arsenal, probably more now... How many have been scored in that position? How many in the nine? It must be significantly engineered towards coming from a, a left-hand side. We'll have a look at that. I will tap on the keyboard and see if I can extract that information for lovely, you. Lovely, lovely, lovely. But yeah, he played left side, Lacker played in the nine, and William played right side. So William had some great moments. You know, shot their flicks off the bar, yeah. a couple of inches lower. That's a great goal. Yeah. Possibly could have done a little bit better. I think Saka's header that he missed as well. We haven't talked much about him. He had another good game. Saka's getting better and better every game. Yeah, he is uh, like a fine wine, just maturing hit. with age. Yes, not so much for Beaujolais Nouveau. Uh, three weeks to Beaujolais Nouveau Day, you know, mm. third Thursday in November. Fantastic. I think Saka, I think he could have done better with that header. No, it was a free header. I mean, I've said this to you a couple of times. I, I don't really understand where Arsenal are going with their forward play. Like, we are putting a lot of aerial crosses into the box. You know, the days of Shamak and Giroud and Bentner are gone. So like they're trying to cross the ball into the box when we're playing Sabutio. Yeah. They don't head it. Yeah. The weight's at the bottom. Yes. <laughs> so we, we, we have not got players in our front line who are... You know, one of their finer attributes being heading of the ball. The probably the most competent one looks like Pepe, actually. But it doesn't look like something that he wants to be doing. You know, um, where well, Giroud would be lapping this up. Do you know what I mean? Like five, six, seven crosses into the box a game. You know, he'd probably have a fine scoring record for Arsenal now. It didn't look like an attribute that Saka's got in his locker, and and it wasn't because seven yards out with a free header, you have to hit the target, and anywhere on target probably catches uh, De Gea out. Yeah. So, Lacazette, I said... But just to um, elaborate on that, Lacazette's missed a head of the week before, Aubameyang's missed a head of the week before, you've got to be looking at this and saying, well, if you're not doing any fucking headering practice, just start kicking it again along the ground. Yes, indeed. We've missed free-headed chances now against big opposition. Clear-headed chances. Yeah. Hmm, Just thought that. uh, Saka did score a headed goal. He did. uh, Sheffield United. He did, yeah. A great headed goal at that. Uh, Yeah, it was actually, yeah. So you can see that if we scored headed goals as much as we've one in three headers inside <laughs> the the penalty spot is, um, is is not a great return. Should do better. So well, Lacazette. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I said last week that he should have a break from the team. You did. And you agreed with me. I did. He's played. We probably didn't agree with that when we saw the team sheet. It's own, but we would have liked to have seen a different team sheet. If we were going to play William, we wanted to see him on the left. And we we didn't want Pepe to be sacrificed from the front eleven. You and I have both now spoke about this, and we're in agreement. We want to see him start ten league games in a row, play sixty odd minutes, and just see whether or not this sort of hundred and fifty minute you know goal or assist thing just just continues to manifest. If it does, then 
you know, in 10 games, you would see five or, you know, an output of five or six goals or assists. So, you know, it'd be fine. But he did play in the nine. He didn't really get a clear-cut chance on goal. I'm not having it that he's had a swing and a swipe, you know. Like, uh, that's fine defending from... Lind- Lindelof actually had a fine game for Manchester United. Yeah, he did. He, he, he nicked the ball off of Aubameyang's toes yeah. in the first half. Yeah, and he made some fine interceptions. And and that was a great last-ditch tackle. He's, he's nicked that by half a foot and just completely taken it out of Lacazette's stride. And I can't remember really another chance other than that where Lacazette gets in on goal or should do better. But beyond that, when Nketiah came on, I thought the intensity of the forward press just died a little bit. And to still be going at that level after 75 minutes and someone's fresh legs with five minutes to go, I was actually shouting at Nketiah at the telly, sort of saying, look, you know, press hard, press hard, continue the press. Yes. Like, and it's credit to Lacazette's game that he does have a very workmanlike approach to his play he plays a little bit deep. He doesn't get chances often enough. Uh, I was having this conversation with this guy earlier. One of our fans, I believe, good friend of mine, Mr. Rossi H. And he was saying, you can't blow smoke up the arses of all the players. You know, you know, again, he probably would agree that one swallow doesn't make a summer. And, you know, he was calling for Lacazette's head. And I understand where he's coming from because he's grown up in an era where he's been spoiled with Robin Van Persie and... Uh, Thierry Omri and Dennis Bergkamp and such the ilk. But, you know, the, the nine role is changing under Arteta. Yes. And it is becoming a bit more... Arteta is forming a side a bit Klopp-like with a Guardiola kind of sprinkle over it. And a Firmino-esque number nine, I think, will do a lot for, for Mikel Arteta. You know, Aubameyang will, should score as many goals as a Mane or a Salah, well, he has done in previous seasons, mm-hmm. but being at Arsenal. And if he can get the same output from the other flank, then the workman-like approach from the middle. But his hold-up play is always very good. He works the back line incredibly hard. Just when he gets in on goal, he's got to take his chance, right? But, uh, you know, as a game, if, you, if it's pick him for next week based on that performance or rest him... I would probably say I've got to put him in the basket of, no, you can play next week if you play like that. He was a bit of an unsung hero for me. And the oxymoron. Yes, unsung heroes are an oxymoron, aren't they? Yes. I've said this, I've, I've always had this discussion with me. So, an unsung hero, the second you're called an unsung hero, surely you're no longer unsung. <laughs> yes. By being classed as an unsung hero, then you're actually a hero. So it's an oxymoron being an unsung hero. It is. And I'll tell you another thing. Just change the subject slightly. The oldest person in Britain, I think it was their birthday last week, that's a poison chalice if ever there was one. You'd never, whenever you see someone being named and uh, Joan Peterson from Stoke-on-Trent is now the oldest lady in the United Kingdom at 111 years old. Why do they all come from Stoke-on-Trent? I just picked Stoke-on-Trent I know, but I sw- Oh, right. Is that because there is form for old people living there? I believe they eat oat cakes up there, which are quite good and nutritious and uh, fine pottery. An oat cake also referred to as a balm? No, 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 no. An oat cake is like a pancake-like substance. Made substance? Of, well, it's a substance, isn't it? A substance, a cuisine. Right. Yeah, an oat cake is like a pancake type thing made with oats and things like that. Folded up and you can have it sweet or savoury. No, a balm or baps and things like that. Like well, a, a, a huffer back in the day. A huffer? A huffer. What is a huffer? Goodness me, a huffer is a fine piece of bread. 
A huffer is a triangle. My father used to serve these in his pub. A huffer would be a trying in a triangle form, somewhat of a texture of something like a very soft baguette or a soft roll, and it would be served often. A sausage huffer is a fine brunch meal. How do you get? Because a sausage, when cut in half, yes, is well, is 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 more. I would say, well, no, it's curved at the ends, but but you run a you run a you you cut a sausage in half. You'll run it flat down the side, flat along the bottom, and flat meeting itself again. That's one and a half sausages. How do you fit the middle then? Well, then there is room again for three in a row, like another sausage. So you've got three sausages in this huffer, buttered and with ketchup. Okay, so people tweet in to at Jim Bobcast. Show us your huffers. Well, I want to know about this huffer rolls and sausage sandwiches as well and how you formate the or form the sausages in there. Yes, huffers. We're going to talk huffers next week. We're going to look, I'm going to look into this because I'm loving it. I might even bring an oat cake for you. <laughs> but yeah, this, this poison chalice that is the, uh, the oldest person in the United Kingdom. They're forever. What it looks like there, you've just shown me a picture of said huffer. It looks like, almost like it's a circular loaf that's cut into uh, a triangle. To, four, to four segments, uh, four pieces of pie or bread, as it may be seen. A but, traditional bread roll from Essex it is, yeah. That's it. So whenever we, we'll be watching Towie and watching them dig into their sausage huffers. A baking of a huffer. It's a fine roll as well. It's very nice. Oh, well floured and you know, soft and smooth. A little bit of a little bit of firmness on the outside, and the bread and dough soft as anything. A, a, a fine compliment to sausage bread and uh, tomato ketchup. I'm a massive fan of an oven bottom muffin. Oh, very good. That is a Lancashire. That's a Lancashirian. I'm going Lancashirian. Apologies to that. But yes, it's uh, it's from Lancashire. The oven bottom muffin, <laughs> and it's like a it's like a very bready bappy type of texture it's exquisite uh, heavily buttered with crisp bacon so we've waffled a lot today haven't we we like it Lacazette for you Bob what what did you get from him in this game he didn't give me anything that I was like going, oh my god that was amazing but the one thing he did do he was almost like a glue that helped and stuck the team together he almost similar to El Nene, but not shining so brightly, put in a shift, a workmanlike shift, made it hard for the United defenders, pressed hard, was strong on the ball, and really contributed to, to the way the team played. And I mean, he actually, I just remembered... He was like our best, def- like our first defender on yeah, the pitch. And when he did get a chance to do something in Manchester United's half, he got played in, and he played a lovely little drop ball into a Bamiyang which is perfectly weighted. I actually thought that Aubameyang would have used the weight of that ball to show the defender left and and, and then have a chance very similar to the one he scored against Manchester City in the yeah. FA Cup final, semi-final, sorry. Um, and it comes off Lindelof's backside, I believe. It did, um, it just grazed its buttocks. Yeah, but um, no, no corner given. But, I mean, again, he, he was good on the turn. It was a good, you know, it was Lacazette-like. You know, he, is, he has got a lot in his game. He's just got a little mountain to climb, I think, for for missed chances in the past couple of games. He needs to go on a bit of a purple patch now and um, add more goals. If he's to have a good season, I think he's got to score at least 15 goals if he's going to play 65, 70 minutes. And he's got, what, three in the league? So, you know, he needs to add another 12 or 13, really, at least in the next 31 league games. 
I can't believe we got given a penalty, though. It was a penalty, but for all of the discussions we were having before Dean, the match, yeah. how Mike Dean was going to give penalties against us, you know, I've, he was quite... He was quite reasonable for us. He refereed the game very well. I, I must say I was fucking nervous. It was like being at an interview for your first ever job, you know, and like you just have that kind of wet fart that you're really unsure what's just happened. But when he booked both our centre-halves in the first half an hour, I was very much on the edge of my seat. Yeah, you know, he, he, he officiated the game very, very well. He allowed the game to flow. He allowed it to be a contact game. He allowed it to... He allowed it to have everything that it needed to have. It was a fine game of football, really. He allowed it to be Manchester United versus Arsenal and not Mike Dean on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I agree. Because he normally likes to make at least one moment all about him, and he didn't. So, yeah. you know, kudos to him for that. He's, 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 he's refereed it like what you would expect a referee to do. What do you want to see, Bob, from that performance... You know, what do you want to see Arsenal take from that performance and just continue or even, or even better... Taking that performance, and I want to, for them to play always with that level of energy. Yeah. When we're away from home against the top side, when we're against these top six sides, it's one of the first times we've beat, we've ended our top six hoodoo at beating a top six side. Yeah. You know, away from home. Who, who defended very deep against us. Yeah, and I, I think that it's, it's, it's very much a chalk and cheese to the, to the Leicester game. The, the chalk and the cheese being the fact that we scored a go in this game and it, it changed the whole complexity of it. And I just think that we dropped off the, the pedal. We, we took our foot off the gas against Leicester. Hmm. They changed their shape and how they played tactically. And but that game didn't have El Nenny. It, no. it didn't It didn't have that Russell... <laughs> do you it, think... It didn't, ha- it didn't have that kind of terrier-like approach in the midfield. Do you think that the changes that Solskjaer made, you know, Solskjaer's 100 games at United now. Yeah. I just... So Brendan, Brendan Rodgers tactically yeah. flicked a switch and tactically played a brilliant game against Arsenal, came to the Emirates and got a result. He did. I don't think Solskjaer has done the same. Interestingly, right. So Solskjaer's now managed 100 games at Manchester United. In those 100 games, do you think he has had a far superior Manchester United team to the Arsenal team that's been that's played the last hundred games. I know that he's not got a superior one. It, it's far from it. Well, his record is better than both Arteta's and El, and Emery's. Really? 55% win ratio. No. Yep. He's won 55 out of 100 games. That's unbelievable. Yeah. You know, I was, uh, I was, what was I listening to? I was I listening to. I don't actually to... want him to get sacked. I was listening to the kickoff. And the ideal thing for supporting rival fans is that Solskjaer stays in the job. You know, if they get a Pochettino or someone, you know, who, who people will fear with that squad, you know, Man United will become a force again quite quickly. They've got a good squad. Unreal squad. They've got, fan- they've got some fantastic players. You know, but Solskjaer is unfortunately of a profile. Like Arteta's in his first job at Arsenal, he didn't give a shit, just comes in straight away. Like Solskjaer's been a manager, uh, Danish side, or I don't, can't remember the name. Was, of. A, was he not a Molder? And, and Swansea. He, he, might have been, he might have been at Molder, uh, yeah. yeah and, uh, and, and he's been a manager eight years now, but the profile of Manchester United is overwhelming him. 
and he can't go into a game and turn around and say, I'm sorry, Paul, Bruno's in the fi- in fine form. Solskjaer was at Cardiff, sorry. You've, you've, Cardiff. You've, not... nearly, you've nearly started a war in oh, Wales. Can you not believe it? Not since they... Uh, Cardiff City, apologies. Not since they taped off the non-essential items in uh, Tesco's did a war such been ensued in Wales. So he's, he's just not making the big, brave decisions. I said to you, strip Maguire. Like if I was Man United manager, like strip Maguire of the captaincy. Just find your feet again of being a good defender, you know. Um, find a midfield free that works. Like, just, just have some bollocks. Yeah. And, like, if you've got Cavani in there, like, you need a nine. You've got Greenwood and you've got um, Rashford, who are in good form, playing either side of him. Because he has had some sustained good runs as United manager. Yeah, we must have to have won 55 of the 100 games. Yeah, really good runs. But not good enough on Sunday. No, and it was a great... Arsenal deserved to win that game. Thomas Partey was given man in a match, rightfully so. Yeah, I don't... I do agree, but... but, He was brilliant. But I I could have... I I actually probably think Gabriel was man in the match, actually. It's fair enough. Yeah, uh, looking back and sort of re-watching it... Fair point, Mo Wade. Yeah, he was fine. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to watching the remainder of his uh, season. So we've covered off we've covered off Man United, Bob. Uh, also in the week, we beat Dundalk. Oh, Dundalk! Little Thursday evening game. Well, the first half hour didn't start too well. Then, then, like, London buses, once we scored, they all came along at once. I think we scored three goals in four minutes and 17 seconds or something such like. To be precise. And I really... Do you know what? Actually, like, the first half an hour, like you said, was complete dross. And then he changes it up a little bit. Ian Dark's commentary mentioning the cause and things like oh. that. That I think he was really flavouring the world with some brilliant lines. You know, I was waiting for him to to drop in a just a, a, just a discussionary point about how stationary shops are so warm and that it's the paper that keeps them so hot. Oh, but, paper! You're a fa- you're a fan of paper. Actually, the paper that Bob has served up this evening is of a fine quality. It's GSM. Is it is a very thick piece. It's a very high GSM. Yeah. Do you know what GSM stands? Oh, you're going to tell me grams per square meter. <laughs> and what GSM is this? That's a, I think that's a one forty GSM. It's virtually card. One might say this is a fine piece of paper, um, and we know that. Bob enjoys that of a stationary shop because he's told you before about how warm they get. Uh, oh, yes. They do get very hot, and, and as does a, uh, a card shop, a gift <laughs> card shop. And as I alluded to last week, if you ever walk around the bookshop, dearie me, it's like sitting in a fire. They actually send firemen there to train. But on Dundalk, Sharon Core, I think it was, the violin player, she was a very guilty pleasure of mine in my teenage years. Fine-looking, really? fine You were lady. so young there, boy. Yeah, well, she was a fine-looking lady. My father had all the CDs. I listen to the course, you know, the, what can I do? All those brilliant course tracks. They, were, they were soon trumped, weren't they, by Bewitched with their fucking K-I-S-S-I-N-G-ing in a tree and oh. such the like. And, uh... Bewitched. Uh, <laughs> the sister is the sister of Shane Lynch uh, from Boyzone. So the old Irish bands keep on coming from the pop, the, the late 90s. But Dundalk for me was great because I thought you finally saw... Willock had a fine game... Willock, the eight we thinks is great. Yes, yeah. Yes, and... He was brilliant. He showed as a number eight, running through the lines, breaking the lines, 
what Mumbarotti wanted. Going beyond the centre-forward, you know, just getting into those positions. And for his goal, it was in a position that we've just not seen another midfielder take up this season. And a fine goal, by the way, like a phenomenal touch, great, great finish. Great finish. Uh, because, they, I mean, Pepe should have maybe fed the ball to him earlier, but he, he took the shot, it deflected and was lucky. But And because it was lucky like that, he did finish well. But that's a very interesting point. Going back to what you said, what do I want from Arsenal? Yeah. What I want from Arsenal is when we play away from home or against a top six side, to play with that energy and aggression and pressing nature and be hard to beat but wear the team down. When we play against a Dundalk or lesser teams, I want to see this attacking number eight coming into the game, the creativity that eventually happened there. And I think that's what I want to see. I want us to, if you use boxing parlance, the top six teams, I want I want to last 12 rounds and beat them on points. Yeah. Whereas when I play a lesser side, and lesser sides could be in the Premier League, the League Cup, or the Europa League, or, you know, FA Cup as it comes, mm-hmm. I want to see us go for knockout punches in that. I don't want us to see accepting a, a point-scoring victory. Yeah. And that's what Willock did there. Lord Nelson, as I'm now naming him, Reese Nelson had another game. It's almost... Bugs me, though. He wears the short socks. I don't like that. I like socks to be pulled up to the knee, or if you're a Thierry Henry fan who created the the over-the-knee. I don't want to see socks looking like a Sunday league footballer. And you, obviously, when you're able to go to the theatres, go and watch the Rocky Horror Show quite regularly with your stocks, stockings and suspenders on, don't you? <laughs> he is a fan of a suspender, is young James. <laughs> you know, I I don't often wear them, you know. I just go for a, you know, a nice uh, hold-ups themselves. I don't need the suspenders. But no, I, I think the image of a footballer on the pitch shows the discipline within the team. You know, it's nice to see we've got a lot of our players. You know, when George Graham was manager, he had continuous rows with Ian Wright. Happy birthday, Wright. It's his yes, birthday happy today. Birthday. He used to always have rows with Ian Wright because Ian Wright would untuck his shirt. Right. If you watch some Arsenal games back from that early 90s period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we moved from uh, Adidas to Nike, and remember we had this shirt with the t- on the tail of it had Arsenal. Yes, the in blue. Yes, Ian Robert untuck his shirt, mm. and because obviously Nike wanted him to untuck the shirt because the shirt was designed to be untucked, and he, he was obviously sponsored by Nike with his boot deal. But the second he did it, Graham would often substitute him straight away. Really. Yeah, not like first half, because he didn't do it in the first half. He'd do it towards the back end of the match. Yeah, Graham was furious about the shirts being untucked. Was that because he thinks it's easier for someone to pull your shirt untucked then? Or it's just he or he just is a true master of etiquette? Etiquette's smart. Genius, you know. He had a great backroom team. He had uh, George Armstrong, a backroom team that went on to be on Wenger's backroom team. Yeah. It was, unfortunately, uh, the weekend just gone. 20. Was, Pat, was Pat Rice not on George Graham's back? back he was team? one of the youth managers along with Georgie Armstrong. Yeah. Uh, it was 20 years last Saturday that uh, George Armstrong passed away, so quite sadly. So memories and uh, rest in peace, George, and love to the family for that. But we divulge and we move back to Dundalk. You've you've made in the notes Lord Nelson. I mean, beyond his socks, he had a fine game. He actually had one of his most progressive games for me where he looked like he had real intent when on the ball. Yeah. I mean, I following that game, I was calling for him to be a starter. You were, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, him and Pepe, you know, we will come on to the uh, give Pepe a chance appeal. Yeah, we haven't set up a just giving page, but we do believe he should be given a chance. 100%. But Nelson, 
was brilliant. Oh, and Pepe's goal. Pepe Le Puyo. It was a beautiful piece of goal Fine scoring. footwork. You know, the way he... I mean, Owen Hargreaves <laughs> nearly spat out his burger. <laughs> he has had a couple of burgers recently as well. Who are talking about BT Sport and their coverage? Martin Keown. The poet. You say he looked like a poet. I say he looks like an extra out of Kingsman. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And Glenn Hoddle in the, in the yes. highlight show. There was like a, he was literally... They've been dressed by the, by the same tailor. Yes, he was unbelievable. They walked in and was like, Glenn, which one? <laughs> Who's me? Which one's which? Fantastic. Glenn Hoddle also donning a fine pair of curtains straight out of the Beck of Noughties. Yes, good to see him looking well. As uh, yeah, yeah It's great to see him looking so well. No, but but yeah, I mean, look, Nelson had a great game. I think you know, it was a um, it was interesting, wasn't it? It was linked to a lot of loan deals. He was kind of why the whole Zaha thing was maybe just a bit of smoke in in the transfer window about Nelson going there on loan, Zaha coming in the other other direction. And there were five or six clubs in for him. And I think he sat down, had a meeting with Arteta. I said, look, I really want to fight for my place. I've got to start taking my opportunities. And Arteta's been. Bleeding him into the system, he played a bit in the Premier League last year towards the end of the um, end of the campaign, and then yeah, and then he's he's had an opportunity to start against Dundalk, and he had a fine game. Nelson, he, he was he was really at them like continually all game. I think the young lads were brilliant in that game. They were, yeah. I was excited by them. Once we got over that initial boring period, with uh... but I thought Cedric had a good game again. He's quite solid, you know. That's why I just, and I'm not saying that he's a better player than Bellerin. You know, I'm just saying that if he plays in a game of substance and Bellerin has to watch him play, it might just make Hector just unleash another gear. You know, competitiveness within a professional athlete should it's, always yeah, burn. You want, a, you want a team with lots of players challenging yeah. for the places. You know, I mentioned that I, I see Hector in that back five. Yes. As a good has as a starter for me. Yeah. I think if we have a back four, you know, I'm looking for somewhat more orthodox in my right back. Yeah. And I think that's where Cedric could be used more regularly if we yeah. play that back four. So Eddie took his goal well and he just continues to to notch goals. I think it's his tenth goal for Arsenal with the first side. So he continues to score goals. I was unimpressed with um, Maitland Niles. He's finally got his wish after years to play central midfield and I just thought he was his kind of lethargic, very ice-cold nature, you kind of saw the wrong side of it. There was just no intensity, no press, didn't travel the ball particularly well. His range of passing was inaccurate. He, he just he didn't have a game where he's given Arteta a head-scratcher, more of a reassurance that you're on to the right people. Yeah, you know, whereas his compatriots uh, in Willock and Nelson have done the complete opposite. They have actually giving him a more of a headache there, which is fantastic. So in all, it was a great result for us. It was a, it was an amicable result. The You spotted this, where we may have seen the Dundalk head coach before. <laughs> you alluded that he may have been in a hook with Robin Williams playing the character of Smee. I, I immediately informed you that was, of course, Bob Hoskins. Yes, it was. The but, late, great Bob Hoskins. Well, it depends but, what version you obviously watch, but that was in, uh, you were referring to the Hook version of the show uh, featuring Robin Williams. And Mario Lopez. Yes. Of Saved by the Bell fame. And you know they're bringing that back. 
Uh, Save for the Bell. Save for the Bell's coming back, yes. With the original cast. No, some of them are. Uh, Zach and Kelly. Uh, Kelly Kapowski. Kelly Kapowski, played by Tiffany Amphiesen. What and a babe. Zach Morris, played by Mark Gosler. They're both coming. Phenomenal com- knowledge, Robert. <laughs> they're both going to be in it. And they're going to be parents of well, oh, they're obviously their children sake. that go to it. Uh, Screech, obviously, is... Uh, Tiffany Ann Feeson is not the woman that went through the the 20s and into the boy magazines and such the like. She is... I've seen her in something more recently, like a Channel 5 kind of mid-afternoon film. You know, the one and two star films. My wife adores them, but they are fucking oh, atrocious. My missus likes them. You know, like Christmas Why 24. Why do women love shit films? Christmas 24. Have you seen Christmas 24 of all the Christmas films? No. They basically takes a title and they put the word Christmas in it. Like, want a film about weddings. But they're going to make it at Christmas and they're going to call it The Christmas Wedding. Or they want a film about baking and they call it The Christmas Pie. And it's ridiculous. They just put the word Christmas in. It's like, insert the word Christmas. Every single film that she watches on Channel 5, and I'm about to endure 30 of them in lockdown, right? Every single one of them. Woman moves into a new area, has got a dilemma with an old boyfriend, changes her name, has a bit of a facelift. Like, he's got a new wife, becomes friends with the wife, hates the fact that her ex-partner's moved on, tries to murder the new woman, gets caught just before she sinks the knife deep into the back and gets taken away in a police car. It's like, you've seen this film in 30 different scenes, in 30 different parts of America, in 30 different versions of, of autumn, winter, spring or summer, just... Watch something different, you know, and then, but you won't watch Home Alone because you think it's rubbish. I mean, it's a fucking Christmas classic. There's no greater Alone. Christmas film. Um, what's maybe... your favourite Christmas film? Come on, what's your great favourite Christmas film? Home Alone Two, Lost in New York. Home Alone Two with Donald Trump in it. Yes, obviously today is the US presidential election. We're yeah. obviously recording this. Yes, uh, I'm. I don't know who's going to win it. Well, obviously, by the time this is released to the public, we'll have a more of a stronger idea. Yeah, I give zero fucks as well. <laughs> uh, my, I'll tell you what, I am a massive fan of Miracle on 34th Street. <laughs> Fun film! With uh, with Richard Attenborough in it. Yeah. David Attenborough's brother. I mean, we've not mentioned Elf, and that is a phenomenal Christmas film. I love my, my wife and my children adore Arthur Christmas with James McAvoy I as, like the, as, uh, as, as, well, he, he's... He's coming to be the new Santa, uh, but he plays Arthur Christmas. A fine, it's probably the finest animated Christmas film, along with a Polar Express fine film. Yeah. You're for use on the holiday. Shit. You don't like the holiday. I like holiday. I think it's a great little film. With Reese Witherspoon and... Uh, no, Cameron Diaz, Kate oh, Winslet, no, Jack I Black. Was, I'm f- sorry, I was thinking Jude of... Jude Law. I was, I was thinking of Four Christmases. Oh, no, I haven't, see, I haven't seen that. Polish. Yeah, the holiday's all right. Like, I again, like it. It's a rom-com. And obviously Love Actually. Nah, shit. Love Actually, I always... It's a good Christmassy film, but I always insist on watching it between Boxing Day and New Year because it's the sort of film I need to pick me up in that betwixtmas moment. <laughs> you know, when I'm just eating another morsel. And Jim Carrey's uh, Christmas Carol's very good. I've not seen it. Animated, very good. Anyway, that's, we are spinning around tonight. Full digression We are talking today. on everything. But it's because we're joyous. We've beaten Man United away for 14 years. We are just simply in the pub chewing one's fat. Well, we're not in the pub from Wednesday at midnight, Wednesday at 10 o'clock, if no, you will. we are not. We're not going to talk. Are we gonna, shall we ignore lockdown? 
Well, uh, uh, yeah. Well, maybe we have got rant of the week on the order of play, so it, it can be a candidate. Let's have a little I'll let chat. You, I'll let you have a think. So, look, just finishing off Dundalk, you, you mentioned it briefly earlier, like, you know, give Pepe a chance appeal. I, I and I believe you both had him in our 11s to play against Man United. Totally. Um, he didn't actually get on the pitch, did he? No. And ahead this week, we've got Mouldy. Let's not do an 11 for Mouldy. I just want to see the same of what we saw last week, but I don't want to see Pepe play. I want Willian to play again and just continue refining because... He needs a confident game. He, he just needs a goal. I think he could really benefit of a goal. Yeah. I want to see Nelson. I want to see Nketiah again. I don't now want to see Elneny in that team. I'm now... When I do my Aston Villa 11, I'm now going to... Well, I'm now going to give you my Aston Villa 11. I tell, you, I tell you a player that you know you you mentioned beforehand. Charlie Patino has been added to the squad. Uh, he's been he has been added to the Be Europa League squad. See him have a little run out, the young lad. I don't know whether or not they'll use him this soon, but he and two others have been added to the Europa um, League squad who qualify under the Scholars regulation. And Charlie Patino has been very, very, very highly talked of amongst the uh, Arsenal Twitterati who follow the academy very closely. He's 17 or 18 years old. He's just signed professional terms. He's being havened with the people that are in the uh, are in the setup are seeing very, very similar foundations to that that they saw of Cesc Fabregas come through the uh, Hayland ranks. And credit to him, he's been added to the Europa League squad. He's been given the uh, shirt number 90, 91 or 96. You know, if I was a footballer, I would want a, like the <laughs> weekly Wolves, yeah. like the Wolves keeper who wears number 11 shirt, yeah. Patricio, which I think is brilliant. I would love a, I would have a left field number. Often if I was... A centre- one. See if you'd be an outfield player that wears one. Has 99. it ever happened? Uh, I remember the, I remember there was a player that played for Celtic back in the day, Hashim Zira Ali or something, wanted to have double zero on the back, did wear it for a couple of games, was quickly quashed and told that was an unacceptable number, but he did wear the double zero. There you go. You'd wear 99, Bob. I could call you Flake. Ah, ha, 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 Flake, 99. Yeah, and good luck to Charlie and the other guys, and I, I hope that... Um... I hope one one of the other lads called Zane and um, the other lad's name um, surpassed me. But um, for Aston Villa... Amari Hutchinson. Amari Hutchinson, perfect. Yeah, and Zane Malaysia, I believe it's Moulet or something. I believe it's something like that. Great to see youngsters coming through and long may that continue. Yeah, and that's a good working relationship. You know, Arteta's got Mertesacker in the academy. They played together at Arsenal. You know, I'd like to think that, you know, they're saying that Mertesacker's getting very much involved now as part of the four senior management side. So Mertesacker feeding into Arteta, feeding into Edu, feeding into Vinay. And that is the four that, you know, they've obviously let go of a lot more players. Hasfami released of his duties this week. Yes, they're not just players Arsenal have been moving on. It's also high-level members of staff. Raul, gone. Yep. Hasfami, now gone. That's That one surprised me. They're saying they're going to replace him, but with a director of operations with not lower responsibility, but lower managerial... Um, Seniority. Perfect. And Pear has been heralded as, you know, in the big four. Incidentally, I was reading in the week just gone that it was suggested that 
Edu's overruled Arteta on the signings. For Thomas Party. And he's gone for Party over. Hussamoa. Hussamoa. We're going to, this boy will come back every week until, <laughs> until he goes to he's someone He's an itch, else. isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's very interesting, and I'm I'm glad to see that it looks like Edu has made a very good choice. Well, in that position, but we haven't created any more chances in the games, and I wonder whether or not you know when we go into playing lesser opposition at home than the top six, with the utmost respect, whether or not he reverts to a four-three-three, which I'm about to do my eleven. Well, so, I've, just, I've got mine written down here as well. Fantastic. I think so, I'm going to put... What I, all I'm going to do... Yes. ...is put, almost play... I've got my dabber pen out, and we're going to play a game of bingo, and I'm going to go for it, and once you've finished it, I'll either shout bingo or tell you how many lines I've got. Okay. Leno? So I'm, I'm playing a 4-3-3. What formation have you gone for? 4-3-3. I'm going Leno, Bellerin, Holding, Gabriel, Tierney, Elneny, Party. And Saka, Pepe, Lacazette, and Aubameyang. Bingo! <laughs> Absolutely spot on. Okay. Yes. And I'm not looking at your paper, but... You wouldn't be able to read my writing anyway. No, yeah, it's shower of shit. But, but uh, no, no, that's exactly the lineup I'm playing. Yeah. I, 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 like, the back five deserve to keep their places. I thought hard about whether or not I bring Willock in, but I think he'll definitely play on Thursday and carry on cutting his teeth. You know, went from playing... I think he was our most capped outfield player last season. 44 appearances. And, you know, in this season hasn't had quite the same amount of game time. So you need to build him up to match fitness. And, and this will be tough. Aston Villa have found a tune against us. And I wanted to talk about Aston Villa's side. Obviously, we see the return of the Martinez. Welcome back, Emmy. You know, that's Welcome what I say. We're ready. Uh, interesting enough, we've played Aston Villa on in and around November the 7th quite frequently. We normally have a, quite a good record against them in what is my birthday game. Yes, it is your birthday game. So it's very good to see uh, Villa coming to the Emirates. It's on pay-per-view, although I'm, I'm hoping for a few changes in the rules around pay-per-view coming in now, especially with lockdown and things like that. Might see it become a part of your general subscription because you can't go to the places like pubs and watch it now, so... You that's, yeah, that's a very it. good point. I, I think they're going to carry on taking a hard line on it. Yeah, he's had a very poor thing. But anyway, back to Villa. No, it's great to see it back. I'm looking forward to this weekend's game. Uh, so you've gone with exactly the same 11? Identical. Okay. Identical. I think the dropping of William, you know, might, might, might be seen dropping, by some... I'm not dropping William. I'm playing him in another game. I'm wanting him to play against Mulder. Yes, because I want him to get confidence of that. And also, I'm at home against Aston Villa. I want to have a team that will run at them and win. I want to be winning this 3 or 4 nil. Well, they're not going to go over lightly, you know. They've um, they've added to their spine. You know, the spine will be Martinez, Tyrone Mings has had a great start to the season. I mean, um, Villa had a great chance of winning four games. Yep. They've lost their last two. But they're the same point as us with a game in hand. But they've played and, and against they've, and a much have, inferior opposition. Well, a battered well, they've, Liverpool. They've battered to 7-2. Okay, inferior opposition, yeah. They battered Liverpool in, a, in what was called, that was the, the freakiest weekend yeah, that was a, in the Premiership. That was definitely a lockdown-esque result. But, you know, they've added a lot to the spine. You know, we know what Martinez can do. He actually had a good start to his Villa career. Tyrone Mings looks to be in good form. 
You know, Ollie Watkins, the striker they've brought in this year, has gone straight into goal scoring mode. He's and in my fantasy team. By fantastic. Way. I know you beat me this week. We won all now. Yeah, I did. And a player that I want to talk about, Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish is a footballer that I would like us to blow our budget on. You know, it's very interesting that. And I've followed that. him before. This isn't just intense, but he's showing again. Like, he's better this year than he was at the back end of last year. Of course, he picks up in that homegrown mould as well, which sees him fits nicely. Another short sock wearer, but I can overcome that because, you know, it's, it's, it's a bugbear. It's not a, um, you know, it's not something that I can't... He's a very finely coiffured player as well, isn't he? Fine hair. Fine he, head of hair. He would be the next Brill Cream boy. <laughs> He has got all the attributes. Like you said, he's a homegrown player. He plays with tenacity. He's got good intent in the way he presses and the way he tackles. He can score goals. He creates goals. He goes beyond the striker. He gets into the pockets. He's, I mean, he is the archetypal free role, but modern day version of. You know, he's a lot of the characteristics that Arsenal yes. were desperate to have of Jack Wilshere. I, I think we, I think he's a player we could, we could and should look at, maybe. Perhaps maybe a little bit rich for our blood, you know. Other teams might look at him. What, what, what's a Jack Grealish worth? You know, oh, the issue of English footballers having ludicrous values will obviously continue on. But, you know, what do you pay for a Jack Grealish, Robert? I think you'll see that change once the turn of the year comes and... Signing players from abroad is a is a different kettle of fish. Also, I believe you said something to me a week years ago about this uh, last year. Sorry about how the pound versus the euro and that thing. So I think you'll see Jack Grealish if he is linked continuously to your Uniteds and players like that. You are knocking in somewhere around the seventy million pound mark. But United right? don't need him now. United arguably have got a player that we would have loved, and I've mentioned it in previous pods. Donny Van der Beek can't get a fucking kick. Private eye, Donny Van der Beek. Chelsea have just now they've got him fit have started playing Zayac and he looks like a fine player. Oh, he looks he looks he looks an animal. What a player. Yeah. Man City are very well sourced in the uh, attacking midfield play and Bernardo. Foreign Torres Torres scored earlier this evening. Kevin Va- um De Bruyne, probably the best player in Europe, you know, still. Um I don't know whether or not Spurs would use him. I think Spurs are kind of setting up similarly to how we are with three more you know, um, more central midfielder moulds, you know, and Dombele. And this guy that bought Hoiberg at Southampton looking like he's come straight into the fray at Tottenham. So I don't think he's going to move from Aston Villa to Leicester. That's a bit across the pond, that, um, you know, with the locality of it. Yeah. And they've got James Madison. So Arsenal's, I mean, he has said the, he, he's quoted Jack Grealish, asked him, where's the best stadium that you've ever played? And he said, by far, the Emirates is my is my favourite destination, which I'm slightly fucking scared about because it means he's going to enjoy coming at the weekend and could cause us some issues. But I think it's because he was quite fond, like my good self, of the gentleman for the who works for the Salvation Army that stands on the bridge cheering. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I can't give any bigger commendment to Grealish other than say I would be absolutely ecstatic if he was an Arsenal player. He could... I don't like the number eight now because, you know, Redknapp did say it so well, but that player that can just play a step in front of party and just look to be on the front foot, that that feels like the missing link now. If you add that in, Mikel has really got his 4-3-3, it seems. Yeah, I, I, I back our chances against Villa. What's your score? I think Arsenal win 3-1. Who's your goal scorer? I think that Arsenal will have another goal by Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang this Fantastic. week. Fantastic. Okay. So you've gone 3-1. Just recollecting over last week, we both predicted the the right result in the win. 
I think you predict... Who was your goal scorer, Robert? Did you not say Lacazette? I believe I did say Lacazette. Yeah. Because I was banking on him playing. You, you were. And I said, Eddie, we'll pick up the phone. And he did. He did. Um, we, we neither got the goal scorer correct or the result because neither of us thought Arsenal were going to beat Man United. This week you're going with 3-1, Pierre to score. Yes. I actually really like that result. I'm going to say 2-1 because, again, I still don't see a scoring three goals yet in domestic competition until I'm proven wrong. And I'm going to say Thomas Party is going to break his duck. Oh, ho, 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 ho. a birthday party that would be for me. Yes, it would. <laughs> Absolutely. It does sound like that we've done, we've done this off a fourth or fifth podcast now. And every week I've had a celebration to talk I know, about. Yeah, it you, is silly you, season. You must for run me. out. It must be my turn soon. Um, <laughs> Top fours now. After the after the most recent game week, just about all teams have played seven games, Bar, City and uh, Villa. And, you know, what would be your top four now? I've changed it because, you know, one of the things that both Villa and Everton have done over the last few weeks is they started losing and, and not playing at all well, you know. After Liverpool, after Everton drew Liverpool and I think uh, the, boy, the boy Hamas Rodriguez got a kick in the nuts. Yeah. Uh, you know, imagine being out, not being able to play a football match because of a ball bag injury. <laughs> Reason for injury? Uh, I've sprained my ball bag. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> I once did that playing snooker. I was reaching over and I uh, and I got my ball stuck in the pocket. Oh, fuck off! It's true. It could have been worse. One day I was, was playing it and I left Brown on the bottom cushion. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a but, so you, you asked me for my top four. I will give you my top four in now. order. In descending order, the the champions will be Liverpool, followed by Manchester City at number two. I'm going to have to say it now. I think they are starting to warm up a bit. Spurs are going to finish third, and I think at the moment the the players they brought in. I think I can see Chelsea finishing fourth at the moment. I think we'll finish fifth. Yeah, I think just over that scoring of goals that we've just we always allude to and you'll rightly say until we're wrong we're right yes um i probably agree with that actually i think i've probably got liverpool city spurs chelsea i'm waiting to see spurs and chelsea play some slightly better opposition and but chelsea did something that we've not been able to do be beaten in games but hang on and get something from the game yeah they got a point against united united battered them they got a point against when they were three 0 down against West Brom. Came back and got a point. Yeah, there. and I just don't know whether or not we would. I think we'd have the possession and the territory. I just don't know whether we create three goal scoring opportunities. We scored three against Fulham at the start. Of the season. They just won this week, so you know it's just propelled them out of the bottom threes. And we're just about to do our bottom threes. Oh, you're slick with your linkage today, old Bean. Shall I go first? You do. You go first. Okay. So again, in descending order. So starting at eighteen. You're going to see Brighton coming at 18th. Okay. Then you're going to have West Brom. And then we're going to have Burnley finishing bottom of the pile this year. I don't see any way back for Burnley uh, or West Brom. And I think Brighton will, unfortunately, they've been in the Premier League for a few seasons now. I don't. I think Fulham are going to scrape out of it. I it's think, going to be tight. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I actually think West Brom are going to scrape out of it. And I think Brighton are. I think the bottom three will be Fulham in 18th. 
Sheffield United in 19th and Burnley in 20th. I think Sheffield United are in a proper pickle. Brighton have got a couple of bright lights in, in some players. What they've had Robinson in. They've Fantastic got, peer as well. Yeah, uh, and Lamptey seems to be a really, uh, really good player. And Fulham have got a bit of quality. And, um, you know, got a goalkeeper from PSG. Scott Parker, you know, he's got a lot of heritage there. I think that you can try and get them playing from. They've got money in the window. And uh, Mitrovic, you know, he's a goal scorer. He's a good striker. So, yeah, I just, you know, it's a good win for them, Fulham, this week. So, Cracking goal. Yeah, fine goal. Yeah, really good. Bob, any rant of the weeks? I've had quite a chilled out week, you know. I'm Beating I'm like, Man United, that Man United helps, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the reason this... we just waffled along. We've talked huffers. We've talked... Yeah, I'm, wine. I'm, We've talked all sorts this week. I'm not ranting at all at this moment in time. Obviously, you could look at how, you know, we've been being locked down again. But I don't really want to get into that because, you know, I don't see which way you could go on that. So we're going to avoid that. Uh, have you got a rant of the week? Yes. It has happened in uh, the last seven days on multiple occasions. And it happened one time where someone said it to me and I just interrupted them and said, well, fuck off then. <laughs> and, and they start the sentence with look don't take offense to this but it's like and then it follows with an offensive sentence it's like all right jay don't take offense to this but you look like you've put on some weight in lockdown well that's offensive you twat yeah so it's very offensive and i completely am aware that um, I mean my lockdown weight journey is that of a camel's back but you know I lost a lot of weight at the start of lockdown it all came back and now I'm plateauing a little bit and I'm hoping to um to, to lose some now in the second lockdown but people just keep saying to me oh don't take offense mate yeah but I haven't been able to complete that project this week well I do take offense to that because I gave you a chore don't I don't mean to be rude but yes. you're an idiot yeah. well you do mean to be rude just caveating yeah, it. But... Don't take offence to it, or I don't mean to be rude, or pardon my ignorance, but I've been really ignorant. It really burns, <laughs> makes my piss boil. Like, <laughs> when, like, please excuse me, because I now I'm going to say something that I need to be excused of. You must have experienced it. Like, like, I find myself probably doing it, but it's just my rant of this week. That's a good rant. I don't mean to be pedantic, or I don't mean to be offensive about it. Wouldn't have probably had it as a brand of the week. Well, you've just literally fucking done it. I know. <laughs> the devious mischievousness from you over here. You fool. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, I just experienced it a lot this week. Like, oh, I get it a lot at school, you know, because like my little boy, he's at pre prepped really busy. He's, he's with a beautifully kind nature, you know him. But, you know, his teacher often says, oh, I just want to tell you about Theo. Like, you know, we don't mean to be cautious, but he could have kinder hands. Like, what in fuck's name does that actually mean? What does kinder hands mean? What do you want him to do? And I bring him to school with fucking oven mitts on, you know? Like, what does... Kind in retrospect of softness, that, you know, I should draw fucking rainbows on them. Does he beat people or, or does he just have hands that look particularly unkind? I'm shaking my head. But, yeah, it's just the start of the sentence with, 
I don't mean to offend you. The next seven words I'm going to say will offend you. (laughs) (laughs) It's not so much a rant. It's more comical, but everybody does it. But if you're listening to the podcast, tweet your best ones into at Jim Bobcast because everybody probably experiences them day to day. And when you sit back and digest them, they're just quite hilarious. Hashtag I don't mean to call offence. Yes. That's it. Or hashtag I don't mean to be funny. Just send this in. You know, tweet in anything. Tweet in your score lines. So I've gone 3-1. Jim's gone 2-1. So that's very interesting. Tweet in your score. Scorers, uh, bottom threes, top fours, such and so forth. Are we both right to drop Arsenal out of the top four? Interestingly enough, we are, we're only a point out of the top four as we are now. Yeah, I mean, but obviously City behind us have a game in hand and Villa is a big game now because they're on the same points as us with a game in hand. So we've got to keep on the momentum. Let's hope it's party time with the good Elne energy and uh, we'll see you next week. See you later. Bye-bye now.